Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode may contain explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, October 30th, the Eclipse and Tips edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. I'm Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in Los Angeles. Well, it's almost Halloween, and lots of parents are torn about what to do this time of year. So first, you'll hear an interview with an outdoor school in Detroit about how to get your kids engaged with the natural world as the leaves are changing. And then Jamil and I are going to talk about our own Halloween traditions and our ideas for working around some of the trickier parts of trick-or-treating. And finally, we'll end with a round of recommendations. That's all coming up after a short break. Stay with us. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. All right, we're back. At this time of the year, it's really easy to get caught up in stuff like decorations and candy and costumes that our kids will wear once for a few hours and then never again. Halloween and, of course, the holiday season that's coming up right behind it can definitely feel a little bit commercialized and a little bit removed from the real world. But this is also a great time to get outside and appreciate nature. So a couple of weeks ago, our own Zach Rosen talked with Erin Williams, who leads Detroit's Urban Forest School. It's a program focused on connecting black and brown kids in southeast Michigan with the natural world. And actually, Zach was supposed to go out in nature with the forest school to enjoy the solar eclipse earlier this month, but Mother Nature had other plans and the forest school adapted. We'll let Zach take it from here. Yes, I went and interviewed Erin Johnson. During COVID, she had been doing 
like lots of nature-based learning stuff with her young daughter, but she was doing it alone and she wanted to do it in community. So she started visiting other forest schools in Southeast Michigan and it was all white people. So she was frustrated that there wasn't anything culturally relevant and centered on black, brown, indigenous, people of color as it relates to the relationship to nature. So she and some other folks started the Urban Forest School in Detroit. It's a supplemental program. It's not like a full school. Some of the kids that come are homeschooled. Others go to traditional schools. And they meet up on weekends, some weekdays. They meet during the summer. And they go out in nature, which is where I planned on doing my interview, but it was like 40 and rainy. So we met at the Belle Isle Nature Center in Detroit for a new moon solar eclipse party indoors. So we were supposed to be outside with the sun scopes and we had eclipse glasses ordered and like all this stuff so we could actually see the eclipse, even though it wasn't going to get to totality here. But so we ended up being in here in the auditorium in the Belle Isle Nature Center, which is great. And we had a bunch and we were going to have a bunch of eclipse activities set up anyway. Right. So we had the, the earth and the moon kind of set up so we could see kind of the the functionality of the eclipse, like how does this all come together? Um, we had the constellation making that was really nice. And then the eclipse game, which is like my favorite. Um, I wish we had been able to be outside because you need, really need more space. Because what you do is you have the children line up like the planets and, and you put them in orbit. So Tupac, you're in the middle, you're the sun, okay? And then who's, so who's the closest planet to the sun? Who's Mercury? So Mercury's going around the sun, Venus is going around Mercury, so you get to kind of see how everything actually works. Where's Venus? Venus, Venus, Venus. All right, Venus, and then, and then Earth. Um, and so we had, a, I think we had a good indoor eclipse game today, but we'll definitely have to do that at the, at the next event. Earth, who's next? Mars. Mars. Who ended up being Mars? Who's got Mars? Mars. Don't miss that Mars. Phenology is the science of noticing, right? So uh -huh. it's the science of kind of okay. So it's spring. When what are the first what are the first uh, flowers that are blooming? What are the first? And so now we now we were just learning this year about invasive species, right? So we're understanding that invasive species bloom earlier or faster because they they want to kind of push out everything else right and so there's this kind of natural flow and then there's kind of invasive species that throw themselves in. so now we know that the first things that we see every spring might not be native it might be an invasive species and that's kind of something that we're trying to teach more about understand more about and and we're going to be doing some more hopefully this fall and then the spring of you know actually rooting out invasive species going into some of the parks that we frequent and saying okay these are invasive species let's get rid of some of these let's let's let the native plants grow how can we do that safely you know that kind of thing i was raised in traditional schooling environments i went to traditional school environments but kind of always had this understanding of, you know, there, there's a bigger picture. And I think that's a big part about the forest school for me, too, and what I try to, you know, impart on the children, right? Like, there's a, there's a bigger picture, right? Like, you go to school, and, like, we have these experiences and all this, but there's a bigger picture in our relationship with Earth. Um, again, in black, brown, indigenous, and communities of color, in many instances, is, is divine, right? The Earth is divine. This is a divine relationship. I mean, personally, I would love my kids to know that there's that the earth is divine and how have you found a way to actually convey that in a way that doesn't feel didactic or just like mm -hmm. you know explainy 
So we we operate, and we're being more intentional about speaking this speaking this out now. We operate mostly on a phenological calendar, and so that means that like like today, like we had this eclipse party, right? So our events are going to be based on what what's happening in nature. You know, the full moon hike is like, hey, it's it's a full moon. Mama, Mother Nature is putting on a show. We need to center that. Like, and we need to be, again, we need to be in community for this. This is what our ancestors used to do. This is how our ancestors developed their own relationship with Mama Earth. And so this is a model that we should be following. And so that, so that's a piece of it, too, is like, so it, it's not like direct. I'm not like Mama Earth is God or anything like that. And again, it's a cooperative experience. There other, everyone's parents are there. And so we just, we just really kind of try to center on, hey, there are things happening in the world. We want to be connected to those things. You should be connected to those things. This is how our ancestors learned how to do all of the things that they need to do, right? So a lot of us are also involved in, you know, Detroit's food sovereignty movement, growing food, foraging for food. These are ancestral, you know, traditional eco- ecological knowledge things, but they're not things that are always talked about. And so we we teach very much through that framework, kind of like these are some of the things that are important about the relationship with Earth that we that we have as as parents and that we want you to have as children also. As opposed to having a kind of a standard curriculum, like this is what we're going to do. There are certain things that we want to make sure we do every season, but the question is always the when and the where, right? It's not always the what. Because we're child-led and child-centered, we don't always know what the what is going to end up being. And as parents, I think a big part of this is that we believe that our children are going to lead us on an exploration that we all need to be on and, and, and being vested in that. So unschooling means that life is our best teacher. Just like nature is the best classroom, life is our best teacher. And so it's like, I don't think that my child should not be able to see and experience the things that I'm doing on a regular basis. I think that there's always something that they can learn from my experiences. Um, I think they can learn a lot from being in community with other children who are not just in their age group. That's other. That's another big thing. So the forest school is twelve is zero to twelve. So everybody, right? So from the two month old baby to you know the twelve year old who's about to be thirteen but still really loves to come to our stuff because they like to nerd out on nature, right? So you, you grew up going to school, I did. just like I grew up going to school. Yep. Yep. By raising Luna the way you have, um, it, with this kind of unschool philosophy, what do you notice about the ways that she tunes into the world oh, and that, that you didn't? So four school children are, ve- or at least our four school children, right, are very self-determined, right? And so, like, they want to do what they want to do, and so that is almost always a conversation. Um, but even, like... You know, when I'm with these children, like, they are not just, you know, walking around, kind of going to the next thing. Whenever we're walking anywhere, like, normally, they're they're looking at the nature stuff. They're looking at the green stuff. They're like, oh, what is this? They're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, it's hard. It can be hard to get from A to B with a forest school child because they're always looking to the side. They're always looking in the margins. They're kind of always looking at what else is there and 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 they're asking questions they're saying well what's this why is this here what does that have to do with me you know and and, and so again these are some of the critical thinking skills that i do think you know and and even i i think i had to deal with this myself as i grew up as i grew into an adult some of those critical thinking skills that we don't get from our traditional school environments in 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 america we don't it's not necessarily like certain people are taught to 
think critically, you know, if they do good on certain tests or we think that they have some kind of like success module or whatever. But it's like everybody else is just kind of like, well, just just memorize everything, you know. And so I think a lot of it, too, is we want to make sure these children are able to think critically, regardless of where they go to school or what they're being taught there. We want you to be able to think about what's going on around you and do something about it. Right. And so, like, that's a mo our model, we think helps them do both of those things, right? Think critically about what's going on and then have agency about fixing it or addressing it or doing something about it. For parents that want to start integrating this phenological modality into, into their parenting, like what's something that, that they can start thinking about just next time they're on a walk with their kids? Hmm, that's, that's a good, I mean, I think even think about the seasons. I mean, again, we talk a lot about the leaves changing, but that's not the only thing that changes, right? Everything is constantly changing. And so we frequent the same trails. Like, you know, we, we go to a bunch of the same places because we're saying, how does this look different this time, right? Like what, okay, we saw, again, we're in Palmer Park. We saw that Vernal Park, la, Vernal Pond last time, and now it's not there. It's much smaller. Like, what does that mean? What kind of animals are we seeing or not seeing? Uh, all of those things mean that that nature is always talking to us. And, and, and so to me, I would say, like, just make sure that you're listening. When nature is talking, make sure that you're listening and show your children how to do that too. Thanks again to the Urban Forest School and to Zach for bringing us this interview. Next up, we're going to talk through some ideas for celebrating Halloween, maybe without some of the scarier stuff for us parents. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a second. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. All right. We get a lot of questions from you about holiday traditions, especially on the Slate Parenting Facebook page, which we definitely encourage you to join. Halloween is especially tricky for a lot of us. Maybe you have a kiddo with food allergies or you're worried about single-use decorations and costumes. Maybe the whole thing is just a little too spooky for your family and you're trying to figure out a middle ground. So we are going to share some of what we do for Halloween and what we don't do and some ideas for different situations your family might face. Now, Jamila, if I remember correctly, Halloween is not your favorite of holidays. Is that right? 
It's not. It, you you know, when Naima was younger, I really got into it. Um, I handmade her costumes a few years. We did some very creative Beyonce costumes um, a couple of times. Now that she's older and she's taking more control over that sort of thing, I'm kind of not a part of it. You know, like this year she and her friends at school are dressing up as TLC and like, she ordered her own shirts on, like, she ordered shirts for them online and paid for them, you know, like, they're doing a pretty simple costume, so she didn't really need my input, but I missed when she was little and I could go all out, and, like, some years she had two costumes, you know, so I did get into it when she was small. What about you guys? I'm the same way. Like, when they were little, I was all about it. It was like, we could be something cute. Maybe it was because mm-hmm. I had control over the situation. We would do family costumes. We did that for many years. And um seemed like there were more, you know, like, pre-COVID, there was more, like, Halloween parties and things. And I don't know if that was, like, age-wise. Like, it seemed like a reason for us to gather and go out and do things. And also that I could control the trick-or-treating a little bit more and maybe that's because of where we were living like Mm -hmm. I I, well one I'm in Tokyo so it's a whole different ball game but like we are not big I don't like to have the candy in the house let's just cut to the chase I don't like to have the candy in the house It's, it's like the idea that we are gonna go out and get this candy that I don't really want us eating um, but I also don't want to deny them from hat. We're not like a no candy family. Um, so I feel very torn about doing all this to walk around to get candy that I am going to then either convince them to give back to me, um, so that we don't eat it. Like the, the whole thing is just kind of convoluted in my head now. Yeah, the candy thing is always an issue, you know, like I take it and I ration it out, but like I usually leave it in the kitchen. So Naima's definitely stuck in eating Halloween candy before. Like she's not good at hiding it. She'll leave the wrappers right. I have this like candy jar. She'll leave the wrappers right in the jar, you know, like yeah. it's really hard for them to exercise self-control when there's candy around. And it's hard for me too. Like I all <laughs> every like I always overeat. I always yes, me eat too. too much. I can't help. It's like I will go in to get just one piece, right? And then you're like, oh, I'm going to eat this. And then honestly, so much of it, as I put it in my mouth, I'm like, this isn't even good. Like, <laughs> like I want good candy. Like, it it still gives me all the oxytocin and my body is all happy with the sugar. Yeah. Um, And I've tried, like, letting the kids eat as much as they want that night. We've almost always been, like, you can keep X amount and the rest is going either with Jeff to work or we're just like taking it back. I I think because like I have self-control issues and I know they do too. So we might as well just get it out of the house. And I've been very upfront. We've never done like the, there's like a buyback fairy of some kind now. Like people have a, I don't remember what it's called, but the switch, Mm -hmm. witch. that's what it's called. The switch. Yeah. She switches the candy for like a prize or something. Um, Oh, wow. But then it's like now you've people are like out. I don't the economics of it bother me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we bought this costume. Um, we also have had issues like dietary issues are really hard. And of course, when Henry's pandas has been really bad, like even just the experience of trick or treating can be too much like there's just too much sensory stuff. But I also feel very pressured in them like not 
missing out on the experience because Halloween seems to have become this whole like experience. Like, do you feel like if you told if you told Naima, like, we're not going to do this, you feel like you're cutting them off from something that seems very like formative to the American Halloween experience? Yeah, definitely. Like, I can't imagine like taking away Halloween. That would be a big blowout around here. So it would have been very easy here for us to be like, we're just not doing it. Like the school doesn't do it. They did a literary parade instead where the kids dressed up like literary um, characters. But a lot of our American Mm -hmm. friends, there's like little areas of the city that are doing trick or treating for kids. And and we have been invited to some of Mm -hmm. those. And I initially was just like, let's just not do it. But then the kids, of course, are talking to their friends at home. And so now we've made plans to go. Yeah do this in a with a group of um not just americans but it's like american families that all live kind of in the same area hosting but i'm very Mm. i'm very like torn about the whole thing it's like i don't really like any of it but i'm powerless to stop it (laughs) halloween is machine you can't stop it it's bigger than us it's bigger than you and me elizabeth do you like uh spooky things I'm not into spooky things. Me either. No. Naima wants to go to a haunted house this year. Um, she's never been to one before. And, like, she scares easy, so I don't know. Like, I'm a little nervous about, you know what I mean? Like, I remember the first haunted house I went to. It was at a school in my neighborhood. And, like, somebody jumped out at me and I hit them, you know? Like, yes. just out of instinct. <laughs> Did you feel so proud of yourself? I, I feel just, like, I'm like, wow, I want to be the person that hits someone when they jump out, but I know I'm the person that cries in the corner. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was a little proud because that's I'm usually the person who cries in the corner. So it was out of character for me. Oliver likes spooky things, but he likes like, like not jump out at you scary. He likes like spooky, right? Like mm-hmm. the presence of spirits or ghosts or any of that is very interesting to him and it doesn't scare him Mm -hmm. I don't I honestly don't know that my kids know like beyond haunted mansion at Disney what a haunted house is Uh (laughs) uh-huh it's probably bad parenting are you gonna let her are you gonna let her go are you gonna take her are you gonna we'll see we gotta it depends where it is you know um I, I I think I'll let her do it though I think I'll let her do it one of her good girlfriends has been, I guess, has already been to a few. I didn't realize they'd start. I mean, I guess it's the end of October, so they've been open maybe for a little while. But um, we're going to go for it. I'll report back on how our first haunted house experience goes. We'll see. We'll find out. Stay tuned. I I feel like I used to ask my parents to take me to haunted houses. And I know my dad used to take me to one that was not far from the house. And then... Sometime before I had kids, I had this idea that Jeff and I would go. And I remember we showed, we like, I like looked up great ones and it was like a haunted outdoor maze situation. And we got there and we were lying to buy tickets and I heard everyone screaming. And in my head, I thought, I don't want, why do I want to do this? Like, I don't like this. (laughs) Like, I distinctly remember looking at him and being like, I want to leave. (laughs) He's like, but you wanted to come. I'm like, I don't know, man. But now that I'm here, I remember, I don't like any of this. So did you all go? No. He was like, okay, great, let's go. But we like drove out to the middle of nowhere. That's hilarious. I'm like, now that I hear people screaming, 
this I don't feel safe here. Um, I need to do this. Do you carve pumpkins? No, she carved pumpkins at uh, a neighbor's house uh, when she was visiting her dad. So she did get to have that experience this year. And I feel bad. I, You know, when I saw her doing it, I felt bad. I was like, wow, we've never carved pumpkins. You know, like, why don't we carve pumpkins? Because my mom used to carve pumpkins yeah. with me. You know, it's just something that didn't occur to me. I have a few. I didn't take them out this year. I do have a few very small Halloween decorations, you know, Um that I forgot that I have forgotten about maybe the last two years. Leopard print pumpkins, very on Aww, brand for us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't pack any of the Halloween decorations here, just fall decorations. And I thought we weren't going to carve pumpkins because they're kind of hard to find. But um, mm. one of my friends messaged me and said, would your family like to come over and teach our family how to carve pumpkins? My, uh, they're uh, Israeli and their youngest son is obsessed with Halloween this year, just Aww. like obsessed. And she's like, I think we could figure it out, but would you like come show us? So we went over there this weekend uh, after we got back from the trip and like she had found pumpkins, we, some like two or three big ones and then a couple of yeah. the little small green ones and we just carved Aww. them anyway. And it was super fun. Like we had none of the patterns or supplies or any of the things. We just had some knives uh-huh. and it was totally fine. I was struck though. They were like, you give the children the knives. And we're like, yeah, you kind of like sit with them. They were like, so the kid's just going to like plunge the knife into the pumpkin. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is kind of a weird thing. Yeah, it's weird when you think about it. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. Do you do any, are there, can you think of, I, I feel like one of the, one of the last comments that's on Facebook that I, I do want us to talk about is like, if you're not going to do Halloween, are there other things you can do for the season? Do you have other, like, do you celebrate fall? Do you celebrate the autumn? Is it the equinox? Autumnal equinox? I don't know. <laughs> we don't. Um, I'm just not, you know, I don't have like fall and winter decor for the house. Like I have Christmas decorations and I have these few small um, Halloween decorations that I always forget to put up. But no, um, but there are other things you could do this time of year. I mean, you could definitely go apple picking. Um, we haven't done that since Naima was really small. I, I thought about that recently. I'm like, is there somewhere here to pick apples? Because I would love, you know... I just go for the apple cider donuts because yeah, if you go to an apple food. orchard, they've always got great apple cider and donuts and apple butters and things like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. We need, I guess we need to get into the fall spirit. Yeah, I like, I think I'm more like, I'm pro fall and meh on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. I, the fall vibes, I feel like I like. It's funny that Halloween doesn't really have like, food like so many the rest of our holidays have like food I guess the the fall foods but it's not like you go to a haunted house and get apple cider or donuts or no it's just candy it's candy the food is just no, the candy the candy's not even like good that I think that fundamentally is where I am right now I'm just like no one's handing out like good chocolate bars <laughs> yeah like there's always some you know but you get so much crappy candy and like part of the fun is just the volume of candy actually last year i did take naima we i think we went one of her friends to um it wasn't quite a haunted house but it was like a halloween carnival or festival of some sort mm. you know like there was trick-or-treating and there were little experientials and things to do it was a little corny to me but they enjoyed it 
Um, but yeah, like I was definitely hungry. We had to go eat dinner afterwards. <laughs> yeah, where's the food at these festivals? The Come food? on, the parents are there for the food, guys. <laughs> Always there for the food. <sighs> Well, listeners, we, of course, want to hear your ideas about this. I'm sure some of you out there are Halloween crazy because I have Halloween crazy friends and they are so fun. It's just not it's not Jamila and my holiday. Just we're not here for this. Bring back the little babies dressed up in weird costumes. Babies dressed as pumpkins and prints with little mustaches and weird stuff like that. Well, we want to hear everything that you're doing for Halloween. If you have any of these special uh, circumstances, you have kids that don't like how the costumes feel, you have allergies, let us know how you're dealing with all of that. You can email us at slate.com or, of course, leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. You can also join the Slate Parenting Facebook group. It's a great community, and you'll find a ton of support and ideas for whatever's on your mind. All right. Finally, let's move on to recommendations. Jamila, what are you recommending? Well, I mentioned it in our last episode, but I am enthusiastically recommending The Golden Bachelor. It is prime television. It is just really something to see, you know, these older people acting like giddy teenagers, you know, like the same behavior, the same cattiness, you know, like... All the stuff you expect from reality TV, but with older people. It is grand. I'm, are they, the season is not over, right? So like no. I can't binge the whole thing, but I need to start. It's about halfway through. Okay. I'm going to give it a go. I'm still like obsessed. You got me hooked on Connections. I've oh, been doing yes. that on New York Times. That was like so good. So now I, I'm kind of looking for a show to like get into and fill some of the time. So I'm mm. going to try this. What's not to love? What about you? I am recommending a a portable sound machine. We had one that we had used since the kids were little, but it ran on batteries. And so I recently got one called the Electrofan portable sound machine is the one we have. Um, But it like charges with um, the USB. And I know it was great when we had kids and I give these as baby gifts because they're pretty great to put in the stroller or just use when you're out and it makes um, some white noise. But you guys, it is so great when you are sharing a hotel room. It just adds a little bit of that white noise to drown out. Like if you're in a big city and there's city noises or uh, one of the kids is going to like listen to something else or uh, right now they don't all go to sleep at exactly the same time, which works out fine in the house, even with them sharing a room. But like in the hotel room where there's nowhere to go, maybe one kid is like reading or doing whatever in, you know, in the bathroom, uh, this little machine we can just put there. I even used it. Um, we were on a bus tour and I used it on the bus when the kids were just sort of overstimulated. I just could put it up there. It's very small. It clips to things. Um, and I've, I've just really, it's, it's a nice way to have the ability to just kind of quiet the world with you. This one does a variety of like white noise, heartbeat, like those kind of things. Um, so the kids also just like to play with it. Uh, but it's it's been a really nice little travel hack even for older kids. So uh, there's tons of these out there, but we have the Lectofan portable sound machine. And that's it for our show. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and of course, tell your friends. 
This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Shasha Leonard is the voice of our listeners. Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Jamila Lemieux and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening.